hope that you're blessed this morning in the presence of the Lord. It's uh, even if you're home, it's a great time to, to give glory to God, the God of glory. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. It's a tough time for a lot of people right now. There are a lot of things going on, uh, even though states are taking steps to open up, but it's still a tough time for a lot of people. People who lost loved ones, people who lost their jobs, people who lost their business that put all their effort in a business and then it's gone. So it, it is a tough time. It is a tough time. There's a man in the Bible who who had a blessed life, but he had a tough life. He was blessed because God was with him, but it was a tough life because he had many battles. And that man is, is King David. King David comes on the scene and his first public action is a battle against a giant. And God gives him the victory um, in the iconic David versus Goliath battle. Some of us right now are feeling like David, very small in the face of a giant situation, but we know that we serve a God that can give us victory. And after David uh, defeated Goliath, he became popular, and then he started serving the king, but then the king started getting jealous and turned on David. So your own leader, your own king turning on you, and David goes on the run. Um, with for, for with men and they're on the run and they're a band of, of vigilantes going around places and fighting and fighting for justice but they're fighting for justice but their own people that are supposed to be on their side and protecting are hunting them down and a lot of people right now in this country feel like they're hunted down by the very people that were that are supposed to protect them and, and, it, and it's a and it's a very tough time in David's life but he remains faithful uh and then God allows him to become king. He becomes king, but he's a king that has many battles. If it's not the Philistines one day, it's the Amalekites the other day. If it's not the Amalekites, it's the Moabites. It's a, always a constant battle until one point his own son rises up against him and has him fleed. And everything that David built is gone. Everything that he put his heart and soul, his palace is gone. His relationship, they're all almost all gone. There's a few faithful people with him, but he's on the run. He's on the run and he's really fighting for his life and and it's not an enemy that did that is his own son any parent that has a rebellious child can understand the pain that you feel when your child rises up against you it's probably harder that you can face the enemies but what do you do when the enemy is in your own household i can face an army of people but can i face my own son and he's on the run from his own son, and 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 he he doesn't desire to kill his son, and he just desires to come back. But he lost everything in a moment, and like a lot of people right now with this COVID nineteen, lost everything in a second. We had the greatest economy ever of all times of all people. We had the greatest economy, lowest black unemployment, lowest Latino unemployment, all the things that you hear all the time. But in a fraction of a second, because of a tiny virus, it's all gone. It's all gone. And if it's not the virus then it's cancer. If it's not the cancer, it's a heart attack. If it's not a heart attack, it's a car accident. If it's a car accident, not a car accident, it's a recession. Anything that you build can be taken of you in a moment. The only thing that cannot be taken away from you is the presence of God. Everything else can go. Everything that you put your trust in, everything that you put your resources in, everything that you put your heart and soul in can be taken away except your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so David comes to the end of his life because God allowed him to come back and he comes to the end of his life. And at that stage in his life, God is giving him peace. God is giving him peace. And I know you might be going through some trials right now, but understand is that at a certain point, God will give you peace. This trial situation that you're going through right now, it's only for a moment. It's only for a season because comes a time where God gives you peace. But at the end of his life, 
And it's a change, a, a, a transition of a different era. David is about to die and Solomon, his son, is about to come on the scene. And it's the end of an era. And David decides that he want, he's going to do one last thing, one last service for God. And he said, you know what? It is not right for me to live in a palace, but God lives in a tent. At that time, there was no temple in Jerusalem. They had a big tent called the tabernacle. And, and while, so while David had a palace on the mountain, God was in a tent. And he says, that's not right. How many people, our personal lives are better than the house of God? How many people we treat ourselves better than we treat the work of God? And David says, you know what? That's not right. So I'm going to build a house for God. And God told him, you know what? That's a good desire that you have, but you're not the one that's going to build a house for me because you have too much blood on your hands. You have too much blood, too much wars in your past. It is your son, Solomon, which means peace. It is your son, the prince of peace, that's going to build a house. And so David says, okay, no problem. If I can't build the house, I can bring my resources to build the house of God. And then in First Chronicles 29, David is calling on the people, on the leaders of the people to invest. And then David gave and he spared no expenses. And then he gave. And then I had much, too much time and then I'm an accountant. So I went and I calculated in 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, sorry, verse 29, chapter 29, from verse 1 to verse 10, David tells you how much he's giving in gold, how much he's giving in silver. And I went to calculate how much that would be worth in today's dollars. And, and I found out, and it's not a scientific, you know, inflation, all, all of those calculations. I just took the gold, translated how much it would cost, and David donated in gold and silver the equivalent of $6 billion of his own money that David gave. He spared no expenses for the house of God. He gave $6 billion. And when the leaders saw what David was doing, they said, oh yeah, you're going to give $6 billion? We're going to come and we're going to give even more. And they came and they gave even more. So the total money that they gave was $17 billion in gold, silver, bronze, and other precious metal. So now, this is not the cost of the temple. I want to make this very clear. This is what they put aside before Solomon came and took over the project, it's what we call seed money. It's what the initial investment to start the project. The project would be far larger than that because when Solomon came on the scene, now he started calling other kings and other kingdoms and, and come and I need your wood and I need your stones. So much he called the king and he said, you know what? You guys have the best wood. I want your wood and I'm going to send you my workers to work with yours because you guys are the best, but we got people. So I'm going to send them to you so they can work together and Build the wood that we need for the temple. And you know how many people Solomon sent over? He sent 30,000 workers. Imagine 30,000 workers to work the wood that was going to be on the temple. So the seed money was only 17 billion, but the far, the, 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 the worth of the temple was far greater, far bigger to a number that I don't know. But if you want a sense of comparison, last year we went to the Bible Museum. It's an amazing museum. It's a great place to visit. You should visit it. When all these things um, settles down and we can travel safely again, you should go to the Bible Museum. It's great. And it costs $500 million. The World Trade Center in New York, the one that they just rebuilt, that has cost a little shy of $4 billion. There's a hotel in Saudi Arabia. It's the most expensive building in the world. 
is $15 billion that it costs. The temple of God, the seed money, would have been in today's money, $17 billion. Just the seed money. And, and David said in that same passage, he kind of gave us a, a, an insight into what he was thinking. He says, you know what? Solomon is coming on the scene and this work is going to be great because it is not for man, it is for God. Now, if it was for a man, Solomon could handle it on his own. But because it is for God, we need all the resources to come about because we serve a great God. And open your Bibles with me in First Chronicles chapter 29. And we're going to read verse 10 to verse 13. And David praises God and kind of gives us an insight to, to his mindset. And it goes like this. First Chronicles 29 verse 10 to 13. It says, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, Praise be to you, Lord God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours yours lord is the kingdom you are exalted as head over all wealth and honor come from you you are the ruler of all things in your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all now our god we give you thanks and praise your glorious name and we see the kind of mindset of how David thinks of his God. He understands that God is not just a little God. He understands that God is not the God of, of, of only the tabernacle that, that was a tent. He understands that if we are to do a temple, if we are to do a work for God, that work has to match as much as possible the glory of the God that we serve. And, and, and you can see that God is a great God. Now, when we talk about greatness, we talk about achievements. We talk about acting. We talk about power. It says you are great and you are, and yours is the greatness and yours is the power and we see God's greatness in what he was able to achieve. We see God's greatness when we look at the universe and we understand that the earth is just a speck of dust that you can't even see through the sky. You want, we understand God's greatness when we look at nature and all the systems that are working together that are interacting together. The water that goes in the sky and comes back and then feeds the soil and then the animals and you understand that if you remove something from that equation, the system doesn't work as well anymore and we see that there is wisdom in how God created the universe. We see God's greatness when you consider just how a child is formed in a mother's belly and how this transformation happens. And then you look at the children as they grow and then when they're just born, they're cute, but they have no capacity. But then you see them grow over time and you see them become intelligent, become, have humor, have love, have feelings. And you see how complex just one human being is able to be. And we see God's greatness in what he's able to accomplish. Micah means who is like God? Who is great like God? Who can do these things like God that, that, that God does? And it's funny because you see men and, and men boast. Uh, we look at athletes and they boast because they're able to achieve certain things. We look at scientists and they're boast because they're able to put together certain things. But nothing comes even close to the greatness of God. Nothing comes even close to what the achievement that God was able to do. When you read scripture and you see God's greatness in, in, in how he called Abraham and he called Abraham and, and in his old age he gave him a son and that son was going to become the forefather of, of the Messiah to come. We see God's greatness when he took a shepherd's boy in the field and said you're going to be king over my people and now you're shepherding the, 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 the sheep. You're going to shepherd 
shepherd my people and David became king. And then we see God's greatness when he takes a young, beautiful woman and puts her in the palace. And through her courage, he saves the people from destruction. We see God's glory when, when out of a, a, a teen mother and, and a carpenter comes the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he lives a humble life. But then with 12 men, changes the world and saves humanity by the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. We see God's glory. We see God's great and greatness of God is in what he does. And you can see and observe God's greatness in your life. If you just take a step back and you consider the things that God has been doing in your life, you'll see that God is a great God. Yes, I know you're going through some hardship right now. Yes, I know you're going through some difficult times right now. But do not take the 20% that's going wrong to dismiss the 80% of grace that God has given you. A lot of times when we go through something, we focus so much on the bad things that we forget the good things. We focus so much that we lost a loved one and that hurts. But remember the years of good, the good years that you had with that loved one. You can see God's greatness in the little things that he does in your life. There's a song, a French song that says, Compte les bienfaits de Dieu, mais les tous devant tes yeux. Count the blessing of God. Put them all before your, your eyes. And you will see while worshiping how many they are. Um, um, numerous they are. You you must understand that whatever problem you have, somebody wishes they had that problem. Whatever problem you have, we have a brother, he just got into a fender bender. And uh, we pray he's okay, and I think he's okay. We spoke on it with him on the phone, and he's okay. So you got into a fender bender. That's that's not happy time, right? That sucks. Like, nobody wants to get into a fender bender. But it could have been a car crash. It could have been a serious car crash. If it's a fender bender, be grateful because you still can walk. There are situations that we have in our lives where we think it's it's bad, and it is bad. But somebody else is having a much worse situation, and they wish that they had that by time. You're having a, a tough time with your with your significant other, Somebody is lonely and they wish they had a significant other to argue. You're like, okay, you know what? The, the bank account is, is low. I don't know how I'm, I'm going to pay those bills. There's somebody that just went bankrupt and that there's no bank account to look at. The people of God are the people who understand that God's greatness can be seen even in the hard times. And, 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 and you understand that God is at work in your life even when you don't see when you don't see him at work and, and you trust God's heart when you can't see his hand. And so David knows that God is a great God and that the power belongs to God. But then he understands that God is also a glorious God and that God has glory. And the difference between glory and greatness is you see greatness in, in the action, but you see glory in the essence. You see the glory of God in his essence, in his being, in his, in himself. And, and, and you can observe greatness, but Glory, you have to witness it. And when you're a witness, it's when you're at the right place at the right time and you see something happening. And you see something happening. It's not, when you're observing, you're active, you're, you're proactive. So you can see the God's greatness when you study the stars. You can see God's greatness when you study biology. You can see the God's greatness when you just look at what he does and how he, what he did at the cross. But you're going to only experience God's glory by being at the right place and at the right time. Because God's glory cannot be explained. It must be revealed. You cannot explain God's glory. You got to reveal. He has to reveal himself. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it says, For God who said, Let shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our heart, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Like God in the beginning said, Let there be light. 
and the light cast away the darkness. In the same way, when you're born, if, if, if nothing happens, you're in darkness. You don't know God. That's why when you see some people saying things about God and it's totally false, you have to forgive them because they're in dark. But God longs to be able to, the same way he said, let there be light. He wants to say, let there be light in your heart. So that you can see God's glory in the face of Christ. You can see God's glory through Christ. And that's the amazing thing with the sacrifice of Christ is that it opened the door for us to come into the presence of God, into the throne room and see God with his glory. You can see God in glory right now. You can see God in glory today. If you go aside with Christ Christ can reveal himself. There's an episode in the Bible in Luke chapter 9 where Jesus takes his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he takes them on the mountain. And they go on the mountain and it says, while Jesus was praying, while he was praying, good things happen when you pray. Good things happen when you're praying. While Jesus was praying, his face changed. And his clothes changed. And he started glowing. And he started being in glory. And, and the disciples at first they were sleeping. Because it was late at night. And they were sleeping. And then they wake up. And they see Jesus is there. And with Jesus you see there's two other men. And they came out of nowhere. You see Moses is there. And you see Elijah is there. And if you know a little bit about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is called the law and the prophets. Right? Because the first five books is the law. It's called the law. And that's Moses wrote those books. And then afterwards both the, the stories and the prophetic book they call the prophets. So it's, you have the law and the prophets. And, and, and Moses represents the law. And Elijah represents the prophets. And, 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 and they show and they're having a chat and they're having a conversation. And Jesus is telling them about his departure that he will fulfill in Jerusalem. So Jesus is about to give his life on the cross and he's having a chat with Moses and Elijah because Moses announced it. Elijah longed for it and, and finally that day is going to come where the Son of God is going to redeem mankind. Both the saints of the past, the saints of the present and the saints of the future are about to be, about to be redeemed by Jesus on the cross. The, the law is about to be fulfilled. The prophets are about to be fulfilled. They all get their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So they're having that moment where they understand what's about to, to happen. And it says, it, it, the, the departure, the Greek word is Exodus, where we get Exodus from. And, and it's funny because you see Moses, which set the people free from slavery in Egypt. He's talking to the one, Jesus Christ, that will set the saints free from the slavery of sin. It's funny because you see Elijah, the one that defeated 400 prophets of Baal. Well, Elijah one day, he's, he's, fight, he, he, he's, he's, he's challenging 400 prophets of Baal and, 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 and they say, okay, you know what? Call on your God and then the fire comes, your God is God. But if your fire doesn't come and I call on my God and the fire comes and uh, my God is God. So the Baal, the prophets of Baal, they, they, they call on their God all day, nothing happens. And then Elijah called on his God and the fire comes and that day he defeated 400 prophets of Baal. Just one man. And, and, and now he's talking to Jesus that he's about to defeat the master of Baal because Baal is nothing but a demon. But Jesus is going to stand by himself, the one by himself against all the hordes of hell, all the the billions and billions of demons coming against him. Satan coming against him. But they can do nothing because Jesus is stronger. Jesus is the Messiah. And then when he came and he gave his life and by himself he's defeated the armies of hell by himself. 
himself. Peter was gone. John was gone. All the disciples was gone. Jesus stood by himself and he defeated and he guaranteed our victory on the cross by himself. And they're having that chat. And, 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 and it's so, it's so powerful that Peter says, Master, Master, let's do tents so that we can be there. So that we can stay. Stands for you and Moses and Elijah and we can just stay there. And a lot of times where we see God's glory when we're up the mountain then we want to stay there. We want to stay in the presence of God. And, and relating that event, here's what Peter said in, in 2 Peter verse 1 to 16. 2 Peter chapter 1, 16 to 18. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitness of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard his voice that came from the heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. He was an eyewitness of the glory because he had an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he was on that moment of prayer with Christ, he was an eyewitness of, of Jesus' glory. But then the day after they come down the mountain. And you know, sometimes you have spiritual eye highs, sorry. You're high spiritually. You have a great moment. And, and, but then you have to come down the mountain. You know what was my, what growing up, one of my least favorite times. One of my least favorite times was Sunday night. We used to have those great weekends at church, worship, praise, all that stuff. But then there's that time, Sunday night, when you realize it's over. You got to go back. You got to go back to school. You got to go back. And then it feels like a down. So in that story in Luke 9, they come down the mountain. They come down the mountain and when they reach the, the bottom of the mountain, there's a father and the father comes to Jesus and he begs him. He begs him. He tells him, teacher, teacher, uh, my son, he's demon possessed. And, and the demon takes him and throws him down and he spits everywhere. And and and, and so, and I asked your disciples to, 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 to deliver him, but they could not. And Jesus a little annoyed. He says, you faithless generation, how long am I going to? And then Jesus comes and he casts out the demon. And it says in verse 43, Luke 9 verse 43, says they were amazed at the greatness of God. So up top the mountain they witnessed the glory of God but at the bottom of the mountain in the valley in the hard times facing the problem that they you know sometimes you go up the mountain but then when you come down it's the same demon that you weren't able to cast out when we went up, is the same demon that's waiting for you at the bottom of the mountain. But the only difference is when you come down the mountain, you come down with greater glory. And greater glory means greater power. And with greater power, you can overcome whatever situation is waiting for you in the valleys. Right now in this country, we're going through a valley time. But because you're going through a valley time, that doesn't mean that you cannot go on the mountain to be recharged, to be refueled, to be repurposed by the power of God. And then when you come down the mountain, you witness the greatness of God and the greatness of God is the greatness that can eliminate destroy any power of the enemy Bible says Jesus came to destroy the power of the enemy and that time Jesus cast out the demon set the boy free and gave him to his father and they were amazed at the greatness of God you can see God's glory on top of the mountain but you see God's greatness when you're going through something when you're going through the valley how would you know that God is great if you didn't have any trouble how would you know that God is the healer if you were never sick? How would you know that God is a provider if you never had lack? 
How would you know that God is awesome if you never had an awful situation? When Elijah was on the mountain, he called on the fire and the fire came and that gave him the victory. When Jesus was on the tomb, power of resurrection came down and, and rose him up and rose him up from the dead and established him on the throne that is above all thrones. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The knees of depression, they have to bow down and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Whatever celebrity that you see, whatever uh, president that you see, whatever prime minister that you see, at a certain point, they will all come down and bow down and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, I want to encourage you, I want to invite you to willfully bow down. If I willfully bow because I know that God is a God of love and God is a God of grace and, and that whatever sin I've done, whatever burden I carry, I can lay it down at the feet of the cross and receive freedom from the by the power of God. So David knew that God was a great God and he knew that God was a glorious God. But then we see that God is a good God. He says in verse 12 of First Chronicles 29, he says, Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. And he, what he understood, what David understood is, is I'm giving you all of this, but all I'm doing is giving you back what you gave to me in the first place. Now we understand, you understand that, okay, so this economy crashed like, like, like we've never seen before, like it just crashed, boom, because of, of a virus, right? Do you understand that God can bring it back even faster than a crash? God can bring it back even faster than a crash. And, but if God, or if God can say, you know what, I'm done, you gotta stay down. And if God says, if God puts his little finger on you, this nothing you could do to get up. But if God raises you up, there's nothing other people can do to put you down. If God puts you up, no, nobody can put you down. And what David understood is that through the battles, through the wars that he had, all the accomplishment that he that he was able to do, all the wealth that he was able to gather, it came from God. Everything came from God, so he gave it back to him. So now you understand that if you are going through hardship and you're saying, oh God, I lost all my money. Now that's not actually true. You should say, oh God, I lost all your money because it was his in the first place. It was his in the first place. But when God brings you back to a place of peace, are you going to do like David and, 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 and spare no expense and give it back to God? Whatever you have, if you have health, it comes from God. If you have Sanity of mind, it comes from God. If you have, if you have wealth, it comes from God. If you have, and, and everything that you have that is positive comes from God. And David knew that he had to bring it all for God. So we know that God is a great God. We know that God is a glorious God, but we see God's goodness in the, what he gave us. And he says in Philippians 4 verse 19 and 20, he says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. So you understand that if you serve a great God, if you if you, under, you understand the greatness of God, if you understand the glory of God, and you understand the goodness of God, that God is good, that God wants your best interests at heart, you understand that God will also provide for your needs. You understand that God will also care for you. And then that the real deal right now, the real deal right now is not really about the money. It's not really about the health. It's not really about all these things it's about your integrity it's about your integrity when when you go through trials god is testing your 
character. It, it, that's, that's what's at stake. When you see some people come after you and they come at you negatively or they, they start attacking you, it's not really about the attack. It's about can you keep your character? Can you keep your cool? Can you keep the peace in that moment of trial? That's what's really at stake. That virus will come. That virus eventually will be gone. But will your character have remained? Has your faith remained? Will your faith have become stronger through those trials? We get stronger when we go through trials, when we go through hard times. And David, in his life, he witnessed the goodness of God. Through the challenges, he witnessed God come through for him. He witnessed when he was a little boy fighting a giant that God came through. He understood that he was not him. It was not himself. It was it was not his strength that defeated the giant. It was the power of God. So he under, he understood that God was a good God. And then so understanding that we have a great God, understanding that God is glorious, understanding that God is good, then the question is what shall we do? And what shall we do is we need to have a heart of gratefulness. You see, a lot of times we focus so much on on what's wrong that we forget to be grateful about what is right. We forget to be grateful about the things that God has done in our lives. And if we read the rest of the passage in First Chronicles, so from verse 14, it says, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight. As were all our ancestors, our days on earth are like shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Verse 17 again says, I know my God that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. He says, you know what? We brought $17 billion worth of resource. Imagine a fundraiser that raises funds for $17 billion. And actually, I believe it's even more. That's just my calculation. But he says, you know what? Everything came from you. Everything came from you. And we're just bringing it back to you. Do you understand what, when you're serving God, all you're doing is bringing back to God what is already his? Do you understand that God doesn't need anything that we do? He said, I own the hill of a thousand cattle. Like, I, I don't need your money. I own the universe. But when you're grateful, what you do is you bring back to God. And the best thing to bring back to God is not only money. It's not only time. It's your heart. It's your heart. It's yourself. That's what you bring back to God. You come to the altar of God and you say, God, here I am. When God says, who shall I send? You say, God, send me and I will do for you whatever you ask of me. I will serve you in however way you want me to serve you. I will give whatever you want me to give because I am grateful for what you did for me. Now understand this. For those of you who know Christ, if it wasn't for Christ, we would be heading towards an eternal hell. But right now we're heading towards the kingdom of heaven. That alone would be still be sufficient for a life of service. But yet, he gives us grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And it doesn't stop. So he deserves even more of, 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 of our beings, of ourselves. You know, there's a song in French, and it goes something like, I'm not singing, don't worry. It says, um, Lord, hear my heart. I will use my weak words to tell you how great of a God you are. 
but I, could, I will not be able to tell you how much I love you, so hear my heart. And that sounds good. It's nice poetry, but I think the author got it twisted. I think he got it twisted. I think it's easy to say how much the human heart loves God. And I think the human heart loves God. It's about maybe, what, $12 a month because that's a Netflix subscription, right? So so, so we love Netflix more than we love God. It, it, it's about $25,000 a year. Your yearly salary, or forty thousand, or fifty thousand, right? Depending on how much you make, because you love your job more than you love God. It, 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 it's named John or or Becky or whoever your your significant other is, because you love them more than you love God. So it's easy to quantify the love that man has for God, but it's hard to quantify the real greatness of God. We cannot even contain, understand the size of the universe, and it says the universe is in His hands. So we cannot understand the greatness of God. So understand this. However you you pour your heart to God, however you come to God, it is still very little compared to how much God loves you and how much he poured into you. The Bible says we love God because he loved us first. However, and if you want to look at when you're a parent, you look at your children and you love them. You understand that God's love is greater than that. When you're a mother and a mother loves a child and a mother would do anything for a child. But you understand that God's love is greater than the love of the mother. That's why David can say, my mom and my dad will forsake me, but God will never forsake me. Well, God will, 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 I will always be in the presence of God because the love of God surpasses anything that we can understand. And so this morning, I'm going to invite you to come and to come into the presence of God and understand that you serve a great God and that whatever battle that you're going through, God is so great that he can become what you need. If you have, and we have many battles, and some people, we lost loved ones, and we can't even go to the funeral of those loved ones. I want to tell you that God is a comforter. He can comfort you. In his greatness, he can comfort We with some people, there's the battle of, of employment. You lost your job and you lost of income. I want to tell you that he he is provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. God can become whatever you need him to become. And some people, you have the sickness in your body. You have, whether it's the COVID or another sickness, I want to tell you that he is Rapha. He is Jehovah that can heal. Some people, you 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 you, you might have loneliness, isolation. We, 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 it was that self-isolation, especially the elderly. I want to tell you that he is, he is, he is the advocate, the one that goes by your side and is with you. So this morning, I'm going to ask worship team, you guys can come up and we can just come to him. Just come to him and worship him. Understanding that you serve a great God. Understanding that you, you see the glory of God. And while the worship team is coming, I want to tell you a story. And I shared it with our youth um, several times, actually. When I was young, we went to camp. And in that camp, we went, you know, we just went to chill. I'll be honest. We went to chill. We'd see our friends that we haven't seen in a long time. We went to see uh, the girls, you know, let's face it, you know, you want to, you know, okay. So, so that's what we went to do. The last thing on our mind was God. The last thing on our mind was God. Like, we went for all those other reasons. And then while we're playing cards, I see one of my friends, she goes, she stopped looking at me. She looks up and she says, oh, no, not again. I'm like, what you talking about? And I see them, they're carrying a girl on their shoulder. And that's a true story. Like, they're carrying the girl on their shoulders and they take her upstairs. And a few minutes later, the camp director comes down and he's like white like a sheet of paper. Like, he's like white. And he's like... I didn't know these things existed. I didn't know that existed. So he had been a Christian, but he had never experienced the supernatural. And he's like, I, I didn't know that existed. I'm like, what is going on? And my friend proceeds to tell me that this girl started coming to their church and she was in, in, um, she used to be in a cult. So she used to do witchcraft and magic and all of that stuff. And, and then she got, 
So she was dealing with evil spirits. And um, and actually made the news back then. She was supposed to be on the pack suicide. Where they were going to pack suicide and, and go on the train track. And two girls did it, but she didn't. She she decided to come to church. And that night, there the, the director comes and he says... Now, imagine it's camp, so it's the woods, right? It's the woods. And he goes and he says, well, if you want to go to your cabins, you can. If you want to stay here and pray, you can. I'm like, what? Do you watch any horror movies? There's no way I'm going in the woods. The person that goes in the woods is always the one dying. So I'm staying right here where there's everybody. Where there's everybody, nobody dies. But when you go by yourself, that's what. So we're staying right here. And, and, and we started praying. And we started praying. And we started praying. And we started praying. And 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 upstairs it was my leader and two other leaders and they were fighting um, that demon in the name of Jesus. But something special happened. Is when we 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 stopped praying at a certain point and we started worshiping. And when we started worshiping, the demons screamed in agony. And you know why? Because when you worship, the presence of God comes down. When you worship, light comes in the room, and darkness cannot stay where light is. So whatever trials that you're going through, whatever difficulty that you're going through, you start with prayer. We call the name of God. But some point, at a certain point, you run out of words. And when you run out of words, that's when you run to God in worship. And you let the presence of God come down. And you let him fill your life with his light. And when your life is filled with his light, darkness got to flee. Anger got to flee. Lust got to flee. Bad things got to flee because the presence of God is in this place. God bless you.